What's up, world? I'm Cameron McKinney, and this is Pop Culture Spotlight, a podcast about the career of actor Matthew McConaughey and the movies The Suicide Squad and The Green Knight. First, let's talk about the career of Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey had a memorable debut in Richard Linklater's Dazed and Confused, where he uttered the iconic line, All right, all right, all right. However, the movie that made McConaughey a movie star was Joel Schumacher's A Time to Kill, where he played Jake Brigance alongside Sandra Bullock and Samuel L. Jackson. And in the beginning, McConaughey used that newfound fame wisely. He then had supporting roles in Robert Zemeckis' contact with Jodie Foster. This is top tier Robert Zemeckis. I put this movie up there with Back to the Future and Who Framed Roger Rabbit and oh by the way it is way better than Forrest Gump. He was also in Steven Spielberg's Amistad with Anthony Hopkins and Damon Hansu. It looked like Matthew McConaughey had established himself as somebody who was going to appear in top notch films directed by top notch filmmaker. His career then went in a completely different direction. McConaughey became the king of the rom-com starring in five romantic comedies, The Wedding Planner with Jennifer Lopez, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days with Kate Hudson, Failure to Launch with Sarah Jessica Parker, Fool's Gold again with Hudson, and The Ghost of Girlfriends Past with Jennifer Gardner. I'm not saying these movies are all bad. They have some entertaining moments and they made a lot of money. It's not that surprising that McConaughey stuck with this genre, but his reputation was kind of tarnished at this point. He was not thought of as a top-tier actor anymore. McConaughey was no longer viewed as a respectable actor until from 2011 to 2014, he went through a career resurgence that was dubbed by many as the McConaissance. During that time period, he starred in the movies The Lincoln Lawyer, Bernie, Killer Joe, Mud, Magic Mike, Dallas Buyers Club, The Wolf of Wall Street, and Interstellar, all critically acclaimed. And not only had he reestablished himself, he took his career to new heights and his peak was in 2014 where he won an Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club and was Emmy nominated for his performance in the HBO miniseries True Detective with Woody Harrelson, which is widely regarded as one of the best TV shows of all time. What I personally love for that run of Matthew McConaughey movies is he was working with top tier directors, Steven Soderbergh with Magic Mike, Christopher Nolan with Inner and Martin Scorsese with The Wolf of Wall Street. I love that scene between Matthew McConaughey and Leonardo DiCaprio. I also love that scene in Interstellar where he sees that his kids have aged. I mean, Matthew McConaughey became, from 2011 to 2014, the most reliable actor in all of Hollywood, and that is a far cry from the guy who only starred in romantic comedies. I mean, he went from a guy that only worked in one genre to a guy who appeared in films with so many different genres. I mean, Killer Joe is like a Western. The Lincoln Lawyer is a courtroom drama. Interstellar is a sci-fi film. True Detective is a noir. And Dallas Buyers Club is a hard-hitting drama. In the years since for McConaughey, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. The good being Kubo and the Two Strings. That is one of my all-time favorite animated movies. McConaughey is brilliant in this movie. Also, Rooney Mara is haunting in this movie. I loved her performance. That is a great animated film. 
You have the beach bum, which some people didn't like, but I thought Matthew McConaughey gave a really fun performance. And then you have Guy Ritchie, the gentleman. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is not the best thing in that movie. Hugh Grant is. Charlie Hunnam is also great. But McConaughey gives a fun leading performance in that one. The bad being Gold, The Dark Tower, and Serenity. All three of those films were supposed to be big for Matthew McConaughey, but they were major busts. My favorite performance of McConaughey's career came in the Jeff Nichols film Mud, where he is playing this larger-than-life character. He has great chemistry with Ty Sheridan, and it's just a fun performance. It's the one I think about when I think of Matthew McConaughey. I love this movie. Not enough people have seen the movie Mud. It is phenomenal, and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. The most underrated performance of McConaughey's career was in Ben Stiller's satire Tropic Thunder. In it, McConaughey plays a Hollywood agent who will do anything to make his client happy. It's the best comedic performance performance of his career and I know when people talk about Tropic Thunder they talk about Tom Cruise but I think McConaughey is equally funny in that movie and his scenes with Ben Stiller are hilarious. Thinking about McConaughey's career it reminds me of another major Hollywood star Ben Affleck. I think Matthew McConaughey and Ben Affleck have a lot in common. Their careers are both roller coaster rides up and downs. I mean their careers began with major highs. I mean Ben Affleck won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. Matthew McConaughey became a movie star after starring in A Time to Kill, and then their career went through some low points. I mean, both of them were in critically panned movie after critically panned movie. And then both of them were overlooked, and then they had career resurgences, both winning Oscars. Ben Affleck won an Oscar for Best Picture for Argo, and Matthew McConaughey won a Best Leading Man Oscar for Dallas Buyers Club. It seems like at every turn when you count out Ben Affleck, Affleck and Matthew McConaughey, they are going to come back in a big way and give you something unexpected that you're really going to enjoy. And I think that is a rare quality in a movie star. A lot of times when these movie stars have career down points, they never bounce back. I mean, there's some reality where Matthew McConaughey just stars in 10 more romantic comedies, but instead he turned his career around. The same with Ben Affleck. He was starring in so many bad movies. Some people don't bounce back from that. I think it is an underrated quality of both of them that they bounce back from bad movies. Reportedly, McConaughey is set to reprise the role that made him famous as Jake Bergant in the sequel miniseries A Time for Mercy. Here is the Matthew McConaughey performances I highly recommend. Dazed and Confused, A Time to Kill, Contact, Amistad, Lincoln Lawyer, Bernie, Killer Joe, Mud, Magic Mike, Dallas Buyers Club, The Wolf of Wall Street, Interstellar, Kubo and the Two Strings, The Beach Bum and The Gentleman. Let's switch gears and talk about the movie The Suicide Squad. Here's a quick synopsis. Once again, Amanda Waller brings together a group of the worst supervillains to go on a top secret government mission, this time to shut down a dangerous experiment happening on a South American island. This is a sequel to 2016 Suicide Squad. I know, big title change. They went from Suicide Squad to The Suicide Squad. Overall, I like this movie. Let's get 
into it. Returning from the first movie is Margot Robbie, who has the best action sequence in the film. Joel Kinnaman, who is way better in this movie as Rick Flagg than he was in the first one. And Viola Davis, who plays Amanda Waller. And the one thing I love about this movie is that it explores the idea that Waller herself might be a villain. New cast members include Idris Elba, who is way better in this movie than he is in any of the Marvel movies. John Cena, who has found a home in gigantic blockbusters. He's good in this movie and I liked him in Bumblebee. And Daniela Melkor, who is the breakout star of the movie. She is the heart and soul of the movie and has fantastic chemistry with Elba. The director of this movie is James Gunn, who is one of the best directors of comic book movies. He directed the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. I feel like his biggest strength as a filmmaker is handling a gigantic cast. He made makes movies with huge ensembles, and gives every character a proper arc. Every major character in this movie gets at least one big moment. And that's a big credit to James Gunn, whose next film is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I cannot wait for that movie. I know Chris Hemsworth is going to be in that movie. Chris Pratt will be returning. I mean, I want that movie immediately. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy movies, and this feels kind of like that. I mean, James Gunn has... A very unique style and that style shows up in this movie and while this movie is a huge improvement on the first one I still think it has some of the ma same major flaws like the first movie this one lacks a fun bad guy for me Birds of Prey is a better movie because it has Ewan McGregor as Black Mask when I think about comic book movies I think they come down to who the good guys are and who the bad guy is you need to have a fun bad guy also I feel like this this movie is lacking the star power of the first one. There is no Will Smith as Deadshot or dare I say Jared Leto as the Joker. This movie could have used bigger names other than Margot Robbie. One thought I did have watching this movie is usually people complain about how there are no stakes in these movies. Yet in this movie a lot of key characters die and I find that just as laughable and found it ironic that it felt like nothing mattered. Yes, when you watch these superhero movies and you think there are no stakes you think to yourself well nothing matters but then you get the opposite they end up killing off a lot of characters and I still thought wow nothing still matters I think this movie is fun it's way more critically acclaimed than the first one although the first one made a boatload of money over 900 million dollars and because of the pandemic this movie won't come even close to that I feel like the same fate is in store for the Venom sequel Venom Let There Be Carnage remember those were the two movies that were critically panned then made a boatload at the box office, Suicide Squad and Venom. Fans like those movies, but critics hated them. What's ironic is, those ones are going to end up being blockbuster hits, while these critically acclaimed sequels, I don't know about Venom, Let There Be Carnage, I have a thought that maybe critics won't like this one, but this movie, The Suicide Squad, while critically acclaimed, won't come near to that box office number. If you like comic book movies, I recommend you check out The Suicide Squad. 
let's switch gears one final time and talk about the Green Knight. Here's a quick synopsis. Gawain is the nephew of legendary King Arthur and has not yet taken his place as a knight of the round table when on Christmas Day he is challenged by the Green Knight, a mysterious figure who sends Gawain on a quest that will test who he is as a person. This was one of my most highly anticipated movies coming into 2021. This movie was supposed to come out in 2020, but it is finally here, and boy, did it live up to my expectations. And one of the biggest reasons why is its leading man, Dev Patel, who has become one of the most reliable leading men working today. This film and his last movie, Personal History of David Copperfield, are quite similar. In both films, he plays a character who has a definitive viewpoint of how his life should go and what equals success. With this character, Gowan, success for him is being perceived as a knight. I think this is the best performance of his career so far. He has the rare ability to make any character likable. He gets you to root for whoever he is playing. This should, although it probably won't, get Patel his second Oscar nomination after he received a supporting Oscar nom for Lion. Patel's next movie is Monkey Man, where he will not only be starring, but also he's making his directorial debut. Also in The Green Knight is Alicia Vikander, and this is the best use of Vikander since Ex Machina. In this movie, she is playing dual roles, and in one scene, she gets an incredible monologue. I think she is someone, when in the right movie, can be super effective. I loved her in Guy Ritchie's The Man from Uncle. Lately, the films she's been appearing in haven't been as good, Jason Bourne and Tomb Raider. I feel like she is way better in indies, directed by auteur filmmakers like Alex Garland, Guy Ritchie, and David Lowry, rather than appearing in blockbusters. The rest of the supporting cast includes Joel Edgerton from Warrior and Boy Erased, Barry Keoghan from The Killing of a Sacred Deer and Dunkirk, Sean Harris from Mission Impossible Rogue Nation and The King, Aaron Kelly Mann from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Sarita Chowdhury from Homeland, and Ralph Innocent from The Witch. Joel Edgerton will next appear in the Obi-Wan TV series on Disney Plus and the movie's 13 Lives with Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell and The Brutalist with Sebastian Stan, Vanessa Kirby, and Maureen Cotillard. Barry Keoghan's next films include Eternals with Angelina Jolie, Richard Madden, and Kumail Nanjiani, and The Batman with Robert Pattinson, Paul Dano, Jeffrey Wright, Zoe Kravitz, and Colin Farrell. And you can next see Ralph Innocent in Joel Cohen's Tragedy of Macbeth with Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand, and in Robert Eggers' The Northman with Anya Taylor-Joy, Nicole Kidman, and Ethan Hawke. The Green Knight is written and directed by David Lowry, who is one of the very best filmmakers and one of my favorites up there with Christopher Nolan and Noah Baumbach. He makes a movie feel special because of how unique his films are. His track record is terrific. He directed Ain't Them Body Saints, Pete's Dragon, A Ghost Story, The Old Man and the Gun, and Now the Green Knight. All of these films are vastly different and are in different genres, but all of them feel connected because they feel grounded, even the ones about a green dragon and a mythical green knight. What I love about The Green Knight is this movie is so many things. It's a coming-of-age story. It's a movie about how man is ruining nature. It's an epic adventure, but most of all, it feels like an event. When you watch a movie at the end, you want to feel like it was worth it, and this movie makes you feel that and more. This film also has some amazing quotes. At one point, Alicia Vikander's Ethel questions Patel's Gowan's quest for 
for greatness and ask him why is goodness not enough and in another moment where Joel Edgerton asks Gowan what do you hope to gain in facing all this Gowan responds with honor this is why a knight does what he does I think those two quotes symbolize what this movie is about in life we are all after something we can't fully explain and we all think once we have this great moment it will define who we are Gowan is after something he can't even explain to someone he thinks that becoming a knight and going on a great quest will change who he is as a person it will change how people view him but it will not change who he is in a weird way this movie reminded me of 1917 the world war one epic both films have a central character that goes on an epic quest and meet a lot of side characters along the way also both movies are visually stunning one major difference is the character in 1917 is far more noble than Gowan is in the Green Knight he's on his quest for glory he is after something this movie might not be the swashbuckling journey a lot of you want it to be but I think it offers something much more than that it is relatable on all levels every human being does things for the reward and we think once we get that reward our entire lives will change well this movie shows that no matter even if you get your reward things are going to end the way things were supposed to end for a character like Gowan. I feel like this movie is one of the very best of 2021 so far. You have two great performances by two great actors, Dev Patel and Alicia Vikander. I think they should be in the Oscar discussion for their performances. David Lowry is a master filmmaker. It's time for him to get an Oscar nomination. Also, all of the other side characters are given a moment to shine. Barry Keoghan is great as a scavenger when he steals Gowan's things. Joel Edgerton is that rare actor who can be both a great leading man and a great supporting actor. Also, Sarita Chowdhury is incredible in this movie as Gowan's mother. I mean, I first saw her in Homeland. I haven't seen her in a lot of things, but man, is she great in this movie, and she's kind of the villain of the movie. It's also interesting to see Sean Harris play King Arthur. This is a guy who plays a bad guy a lot. He's the bad guy in two of the Mission Impossible movies, and he's kind of the villain of the movie The King. And you have Ralph Innocent as the Green Knight with his booming voice. I mean, he is a commanding presence in this movie. The look of that character is astounding, and it's even more astounding once you find out that no CGI was used to make that character. What I think this movie is really about is the realization of that one moment that you think is going to change your life is not going to change your life, and once you figure that out, that is really painful to go through as a human being, and that's the journey that Gowan is on. He is not on a journey to become a knight. He is on a journey to become an adult who realizes that one moment is not going to change his life. It's also exploring this idea that the thing we are chasing might not be all that. I mean, the one thing that Gowan wants in this movie is honor, and honor might not really be what he thinks it is. I mean, King Arthur is not the most honorable person in this movie. I mean, you learn from Barry Keoghan's character, the scavenger, that King Arthur and his men killed a lot of innocent people. It's this idea that you might be honorable by reputation, but in reality, you are not honorable at all. And yeah, you might not be interested in all that philosophical stuff I've been talking about, but this movie also offers a talking fox, a giant green knight, and a group of giants. This movie has a lot to offer anyone. And in my opinion, it has one of the best endings of the year so far. The Green Knight is definitely a rewarding watch. And that is something that is becoming more and more rare. The Green Knight takes you in unexpected directions and that's something else that I love about it. Yes, it's great to 
go into a movie and to get something that you absolutely know what it's going to be. But I also love the surprise of what a movie could be. And that's what a lot of A24 movies do. I mean, The Lighthouse, that was unexpected. It came out of nowhere. And the same thing with The Green Knight. This is one of the best movies of the year. David Lowry is a fantastic filmmaker. And you get great performances from Dev Patel and Alicia Vikander. What else could you want? I highly recommend you check out the movie The Green Knight. Because it's one of those movies you will be thinking about long after you end up seeing it. And that's what I want from a movie like The Green Knight. Yes, I want to have a fun time. I want it to be entertaining. But I want to think about what it's all about. And that's something I love about this movie too. I don't think you can fully grasp what The Green Knight is all about. It's about so many different things that each and every person can get something different from it. Thanks for listening to this edition of Pop Culture Spotlight. I'm Cameron McKinney and there'll be a new episode of the podcast every Thursday on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And this week I put the spotlight on the career of actor Matthew McConaughey and the movies The Suicide Squad and The Green Knight. Next week I'm putting the spotlight on the career of actress Reese Witherspoon and the movie Pig starring Nicolas Cage and Alex Wolf. So tune into that and please rate, review, and subscribe. Subscribe.